Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm your host, Lewis McParlin, and in today's show we have a plethora of great games to look back on and forward to. Firstly, we'll take a look at the two Coupe de la Ligue semi-finals that happened this week, including Lyon versus Lille and Rams versus PSG. After that, we're going to cast our eyes forward to this weekend of French football by previewing Dijon's trip to Montpellier, the basement battle of Saint-Étienne and Nîmes, and the clash between Marseille and Angers at the Velodrome. Today, I'm joined once again by my podcast wife, Mr Thomas Wiseman. And in the match we're about to discuss in a wee while, Nianzu Kouassi celebrated his first goal for the club with Neymar by doing a dance, I believe is called the Guara Guara, although I only found out on Twitter, so if that's completely wrong, feel free to tell me. Uh, he taught it to Neymar like halfway through his celebration, which makes me ask, Thomas, if you were to score a goal in a pivotal match, what would be your celebration? You know, are you playing it cool like Cantona, Balotelli, Mbappe? Or are you going mad with a with a knee slide and all sorts or, or dances or something like that? What would be your celebration if you were scoring in a big match, Thomas? Um, that's a tricky one. I'm gonna go with an iconic one that I used to I used to love to copy, which is um the Roger Miller um celebration. <laughs> the golf. I mean I think it was a uh, uh, Macossa dance that was it that he always used to do when he when he scored at the World Cup that's an iconic one <laughs> I always love the World Cup celebrations because you get loads of like different cultural teams doing their own dances and stuff it's sick uh, we also have GFFN news show host Pierre Paul Birmingham on the preview show for the second time in a row Jesus, oh, it's turned into quite a thing uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr Birmingham the same question goes for you pivotal match halfway through the season and you've just put your team 1-0 up to lift them into the Champions League places. How do you celebrate? I think I would just go with the, you know, the airplane arms thing. <laughs> Simple but effective. That's. I would be so happy to score that, you know, I never score goals. So it, it just feels spontaneous, you know. What position do you play usually? Uh, I play centre-back. Centre-back, so, right. Okay. Yeah. Thomas, where do you play? Uh, usually centre-back, but I'm I prefer defensive midfield. Oh, we... <laughs> People see how tall you are and just go, yeah, you got the back. Yeah. To <laughs> Thomas, you're Frederick Balmont. You're not Baptiste Santa Maria. <laughs> I can assume, like... Wow, okay. <laughs> I, I played football tonight, actually, and I was centre mid kind of, in a big 11s matches, spraying the ball left to right. Absolutely gorgeous. That was pretty awful. <laughs> uh, let's not talk about me. Oh, actually, if it was my celebration, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about two. It'd either be the old, like... Ronaldinho Samba, Prime Milan, the little like oh, little little dance and stuff, or it would be the like the, the golf shot right into the right into the home fans or the away fans, whoever's like you're playing against. I thought that was always hilarious to see. Uh, okay, let's move into some of the reviews that we're going to look at. Firstly, we're not going to do the PSG match just yet. We're going to look at Leon versus Lille. This was a, a really exciting match. Actually, it finished two two with Leon winning on penalties. The goals for Leon came from Dembele, a penalty, and Hussam Awar, and Renato Sanchez actually opened the scoring for Lille before like Remy scored a very late penalty to take it to extra time. Thomas, a, a final in this season, which, you know, we, we didn't know how it was really going to go, and, and the first half it looked as if it was going disastrously. How big is that for Leon, Thomas? I mean, you saw the celebrations at the end, and they were 
some of the players, you know, I can't remember which one it, I can't remember it was, but it would be Marcel, yeah. Um, but it does, it does mean a lot to him. I mean, I can't remember the last time Leon actually won some silverware. Was it, was it this? Was it 2012? 2011? 2011, 2012. So it's been, it's been a long time for a club like Leon. I mean, um, and they've got, you know, they're in the far now. They have a chance of getting at least some silverware. You know, they, they consistently qualify for for Champions League, but um, winning a cup is, is sort of always sort of eluded them. Um, I, <laughs> I never thought it might be somebody like Rudy Garcia that could potentially get them there, but um, that could be the uh, the way they the way they uh, achieve it. Mm, that actually brings me into my, my second question. So this is actually Leon's first final since 2014. They didn't win it. It was um. Do you remember? Either of you remember what that was? Their last final, 2014. You can guess who it was against. I won't. You're, against you're not getting PSG. any points. It was against PSG. It, it was a, a two-one win two for one? PSG. Yeah. Yeah, um, Edinson Cavani scored opener, really scrappy opener, and then a penalty. And I think a, a 22-year-old Alexandra Lacazette got a very good goal wow. for Leon, but it wasn't enough as uh, PSG lifted the trophy that year. But this is their, their first cup final for Leon since 2014. Pierre-Paul, do we have to put some respect on Rudy Garcia's name? Um, I mean, I'm inclined, I'm inclined to say yes, but obviously I know that's a pretty... Um, it's a question that that is surrounded by a lot of tension. If you talk to Lyon fans about it, or even if you talk to Marseille fans about it, who uh, some of them will say that the Europa League final under Rudi Garcia kind of eclipsed other problems during his his time there. Even though I would be more generous than them, um, yeah, I think for for Garcia to get a final in this season, I mean, obviously it's always good to be in the final, but it's yeah, it might cover some of the darker periods, but they can still make Champions League, even in the league. So, I mean, through league qualification. Um, so I'm not as negative as about Garcia as, as a lot of people tend to be. Um, and it's I think it's a great opportunity, given that PSG have already lost the final last season and that, you know, there's some uncertainty as to how good they can be in those kinds of situations under Thomas Tuchel. Um, I might be a little bit biased there by kind of underlining the uncertainty under Tuchel and not the, not the interrogations around Garcia, but I, I, I think it'll be a super interesting game. And of course the last ever Coupe de la Ligue final. So that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Mm. So if the season plays out and Leon don't a hundred percent improve, they you know they I think they're seventh right now. If they go on and they finish maybe sixth or fifth, just outside the European spots, but they go and they win the cup and they beat PSG in the final, does that completely like like clear Rudy Garcia's name, Thomas? What do you think? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think with the squad they've got, you can't. You can't justify them not qualifying um, for at least the champ. Well, at least Europa League, um, if not the Champions League, because they've got they've got the second best squad in the league. Um, and although a cup would be, you know, appreciated by the fans, if I was if I was a Leon fan, um, it would be a, a a good a good victory to bring bring some some silverware home. But 
um, the next season you think, well, <laughs> we're not playing anywhere. So what was really, was it that much, that much point? Because it would be sort of kind of a, a regression. Mm. But it's more than just silverware because beating PSG in the, in the final yeah, true, true. is still a big deal. Like, yeah. That'd be a big like, mental victory yeah. for them. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. But it sort of costs you, a, you know, a season of, of non-European football. Which for a club like Leon is um, is pretty uh, pretty dangerous. Yeah, and the thing is, with Leon, it's it's not even as if because some teams you can look at some teams that have regressed in recent years. Not even in France, but you can look at a lot of teams and go, for instance, let's let's take the big one, Manchester United. Their season was going, and it was almost like the end of a cycle. Best players that were were really good were getting a little bit old, and that's why you could kind of kind of predict that they were going to then have a bit of a dip. Leon haven't really had that. They've not lost, like, bundles and bundles of players. Like, I know Endembele left and whatnot, and Mariana Diaz a couple of years ago, but, like, it's not as if they've had the heart ripped out their team, and it's not as if their players are getting overly old. So it's not as if it's the, the end of a cycle for Leon. It's just they've been a little bit disappointing, to be honest, which would make it all the more disappointing if they did miss out on, on European football, I believe. Um, in this game, they, they played a midfield three of Maxence Kakare, a 19-years-old midfielder who's been coming into the team recently. Thiago Mendes, who played as a, kind of the fulcrum right in the middle of that, as the defensive midfielder, defensive option. And Husam Awar, who actually got a very good goal mm. cutting in from the left. I can't remember who Shemi passed. Oh, no, he did. I remember this. He went past <coughs> Benjamin Andre. And Josie Font, because I remember going, geez, oh, that's two like good defenders to go past. Uh, and then absolutely whipped a, a mean finish into the bottom right corner. Pierre Paul, do you think that midfield three going forward, if um, Toussart goes to Berlin, Kakri, Mendes, Awar, do you think that gives them the most like the most balance in their team going forward? Um uh, it certainly looks like a like a good formula at the moment. Um it's a change from the kind of two-man midfield which Garcia started with, um, and it's interesting to see that Tuzar is not there anymore, even though he was playing quite a bit under Garcia in the first few weeks. And you know the fact that I mean I think the deal now is that he would leave in the summer, right? Mm, yeah. Which I, I'm. It sounds like a great deal for Lyon to get 24 million euros, yeah. keep him until the end of the season. Uh, at which point you can kind of reinvest that and, and find someone else. Sounds like a great deal, and and I still think Tuzak can can also bring something to the team more defensively than than going forwards. Um, yeah, Kakre has really made his spot in that in that midfield at only nineteen, and it's 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 good news to see that you know the. There's always more young talents left at Lyon, even when Tuzar is leaving and Awar could be leaving in the summer too. Who knows? So, yeah. Mm. Thomas, what's been your opinions on Kakere since he's come into the team? Uh, just another really great um, Lyon prospect to come to come from there. I think it, it might be somebody like Shaki that sort of over over sort of. I don't know. <laughs> Kakare is sort of in the background, and Shaki's the one that's going to get all the all the highlight reels and and uh, and tweets and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, mm. need to remember that Kakare is a, is also a very very talented player as well. 
Mm, absolutely. And uh, another topic of, of players potentially leaving Leon. I think ever since he was through the door, Moussa Dembele was linked with leaving. Um, and those rumours have only ramped up over the last few months and last few weeks. Manchester United have been linked with them. Tottenham, I believe, were linked with them. Um, and numerous teams. Pretty much every team with a bit of money has been linked with Moussa Dembele. If he moves on and they have, you know, Carl Toko Akambi coming in and the boy from uh, Le Havre, Kadaweri, how big a loss would that be for Leon? Do you think it's irreplaceable or do you think they're just losing a really good striker but someone they can ultimately replace? What do you think about that, Thomas? Yeah, I think they do lose. They, I mean, it's a difficult one because uh, Toko Akambi is, is, is a proven player in, in the division. Um, but he's not as good of a finisher uh, as somebody like Dembele is, um, and provides you sort of a different uh, aspect. With with Kadaveri, I think he's, he's been loaned back for the, the rest of the season, but I, I think they probably paid too much for him. I think it was what fifteen million euros. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a lot of money for a player that's been. I mean, he's, he's had a great season, fantastic season, um, but I think it might. have I think Lava has done a good deal there because <laughs> I don't think he's worth that much at the moment. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how he how he does integrate into the squad next season. He's still a very good player, but for that amount of money, I'm not. I wasn't too sure. <laughs> and let's quickly look at Lille just before we move on. They were, you know, they were in the match for a lot of it. Scored a late penalty to get on. Renato, Renato Sanchez generally had another pretty solid game as he's continued his comeback into top five league football. A player that has been linked away from Lille in recent weeks has been Bubakari Samari, a player that was called by one one English journalist, referred to him as, oh, I can't remember what the quote was, but it was basically like, oh, he is Pogba probably just because he was a, a, a French black midfielder um, coming like coming up as, what, 21 or something this, these days. Is there any merit in those comparisons, Thomas, between Pogba and Samari, <laughs> no. or is it just him being lazy? <laughs> That's just lazy journalism. Let's yeah. just not talk about it. It doesn't need to be talk, you know, spoken about. It's completely lazy. He's not watched the player, has he? So, no. Um, yeah. So if Pogba is your, your long ball specialist, your... Your your playmaker and all that jazz, Pierre Paul. What is Bubakari Samari? Um, I've actually been wondering myself because he's just one of those players I haven't noticed much of. Um, I, I'm sure that happens to everyone. You know, you hear a lot of hype about a player, but whenever you watch his team play, you never really he doesn't stick out. And I think I've kind of had that with Samari. So I've been trying to. I'm a little bit behind on this one. I'm trying to figure out as well why he's been linked to such big clubs for such huge sums of money. Um, the first time I, I kind of heard this talk was actually listening to you guys on the TV <laughs> <PV> show. <laughs> um, but, you know, I read his interview the other day, which uh, I thought was quite interesting because he says he wants to stay and he seems like quite a mature guy. He doesn't have any social media, never really talks publicly and just says that's, my personality and and that kind of contributes to the the whole mystery i think a little bit around him um but yeah i think he's in a good environment at lille to progress for now and then you know who knows what kind of crazy money can pop out in the summer but 
Thomas, do you think he's worth the money? The 50, 60, 70 million pounds that he's been marketed as, valued as? Uh, no, not not the moment at least. Um, I think like, like Pierre Paul said, you don't really notice him because he's alongside a, a better midfielder at the moment in Benjamin Andre. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's mm. been you know the, the better player out of the two, um, and you know it's not surprising to anybody that that's the case. But you know, Samari is still very young and he's got he's got a lot of potential, but not. I don't think it's it's um, reasonable to spend that much money on him. Mm. Should just yeah. stay like should just stay at Lille for for maybe another season and and see where it goes after that. I think it'd be best for his career to be honest. Yeah. Pierre Paul, what yeah. you were saying about a player kind of like followed like almost like going under the radar for you. I've got that with Enzo Luadici, who's who's apparently going to Wolves. <laughs> like I've never. Oh, Wolves. Uh, yeah, he's been linked with Wolves, but he's not really played that much for Dijon this season. I know he played last season, but I heard that I was like, am I? missing something is he really good and I've just completely missed it but I'm still not 100% like like convinced on that one yeah it's a bit of a strange one but Wolves do come up with some really like good weird transfers every now and then so I will trust them but I just thought it was a strange one really strange one let's move on to the other Coupe de la Ligue semi-final that happened in midweek excuse me this was PSG traveling two ramps and winning 3-0 with goals coming from the aforementioned Yanzu Kwasi, uh, who scored his first goal for the club. Also, what Marquitos. did you call him? Yeah, well, here's Nyanzu? the thing. It's, it's, he's got Tongi and also Nyanzu. And I know like sometimes first and middle names get chucked about outside oh. of Britain, basically. We're the, we're the ones who do it weird. We're like very strict with us. Uh, but the, I never I never know people's first names because I hear, I hear it. <laughs> I hear him get called twice. I've heard him being called Tongi Kwasi and Nyanzu Kwasi, and I okay, don't yeah. know which one. What are we going I, for? Yeah, I knew it was Tongi, yeah. Let's go, let's go Tongi then. Okay, I, I, I trust you. I just thought Nyanzu is a cooler name, to be honest, but let's go Tongi. <laughs> okay, uh, Tongi Kwasi. Uh, Pierre Paul, how did this match play out? Were, were PSG fantastic or were Rams unlucky? Um, well, it started with a pretty early goal from Marquinhos in the ninth minute on a corner and really, you know, you can't really do anything against that goal because he jumped at a ridiculous height. It was just the perfect header and he sm- it, the, he smashes it into the ground and it kind of bounces up into the top part of the net. It was quite phenomenal. Um, and, uh, you know, after that, Hans are 1-0 down after 10 minutes on a goal they couldn't have prevented, really. And things become a lot harder, of course. And uh, actually, all of PSG... PSG's goals came from free um, set pieces, rather indirect or di- uh, well indirect set pieces. My apologies, um, which apparently has not been one of their strengths this season. Um, they've only scored two, I think, before yesterday and three um, yesterday. And it, it's interesting because you know Reims, in a way, means the defense held in terms of open play. Uh, but then on, on set pieces, which a whole different matter to defend against, uh, they, they kind of succumbed to that, that sudden waking of, of PSG's um, set piece attack. I thought I, I was a little bit worried about PSG for a couple of things, even though they pretty much control the match. And, and really, Reims, even 
Reims had some interesting construction, but once they were in the last 30 meters, it, you know, it never came to anything. Um, but but PSG, I thought the two things that worried me were towards the end of the first half, they started kicking around um, Reims players for no apparent reason. Draxler got a yellow card and then made a, another pretty big foul just behind that. And I, it, it would have been harsh to give him a second yellow card, but he was kind of testing the limits there. Um, they stopped doing that in the second half, but in the second half, I thought they were a little bit asleep, apart from Neymar, who was very good throughout the match, the best player easily. Um, and, you know, he was creating chances, but he's also coming back and, and defending and working out the ball from the back for PSG. Uh, but there was a few moments where Reims actually kind of came forward. Even though they weren't very good on the ball, they still managed to come through because PSG just let them, really. Um and those are two things that you wouldn't want to see in a bigger game from PSG. Uh, obviously, I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, from Haas's perspective, I wonder if maybe the decision to change formations has to do with you know the the poor results. It was the first time they tried this three-man midfield all season. And we know that the 4-2-3-1 has worked for them really well, including against PSG. So maybe we can interrogate why they did that. Um, it also feels that they, well, one of the reasons they did that is maybe because they, going forwards, I don't know if they have a lot of options. I didn't think Udin was essential to this side, but now that he's gone, it, they do feel a little bit short on on possibilities put up front. Um, and really the final point I had was about Hassan Kamara, and I just hope that uh, I'm a big fan of the player, but I hope the Premier League sides who want to sign him didn't watch the game last night because he did make a couple of mistakes. He was playing out of position in 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 his defense, but he played with fire a little bit on one or two occasions. Yeah, so PSG got the three 0 win, like you said, and they started to get a little bit a little bit cocky, you could say, you know, with Neymar's <laughs> what we call it butt pass, bum pass, um, <laughs> Neymar. Uh, Mbappe rather tried to score with his hand. Was it a little bit then just showing off, or is that just two incidences that have been taken and put on Twitter and completely just taken out of context? I feel like showing off can be can have bad connotations for whatever reason, but they they just do that, you know. Yeah, it's just how you see that they're so much better than everyone else because who who does a butt pass? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are capable of it, but who does that in a match? <laughs> um. And yeah, but it did contribute to the match getting a little bit feisty. Um, and there were various incidents in the first half and the second half, especially uh, kind of pushing around. And that culminated with the red card for for Marshall Munetzi, which uh, really, that was around the 60th minute. And that was when the game was over because it, it was a completely stupid red card and on, on fouling Marco Verratti from behind. Not dangerous, but... Yeah, mm. and uh, for this game, PSG stuck with this. I don't know what we call it, four four two or four two 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 formation. But they had slightly different personnel with Sarabia, Draxler, and Paredes, some of the kind of second choice midfielders and attackers coming in. How did they do slipping into the into the first team? Was it the case where PSG only really do? the formation very well when they have their first 11 out or did these kind of second string players hold their own Pierre Paul well Draxler was subbed at halftime um didn't have a very good first half um it's kind of the 
story of his season, really. He, Herrera came in for him at halftime, which uh, suggests to me that they changed formation, although I can't remember exactly how that how that played out um, in the second half because really the game was kind of was kind of over by then. Um, but yeah, Sarabia was was all right. Neymar, of course, was the best on the pitch, and Mbappe. Um, Mbappe had a he wasn't it wasn't his best game. Let's say. Mm. Let's look over to um, you know they they did lose this three 0 They've not been playing the best recently, but they still have well in league and they have the best defense. They have conceded the least goals in the league. But Thomas, they must be a little bit disappointed by this. You know, big opportunity, semi final. And they kind of flunked it, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to take. I mean, it was always going to be <laughs> it was always going to be tricky to get past um, to get past PSG, and, and in some cases, you know, they didn't really help themselves on the set pieces. And um, I don't think the change in formation really worked, and they they couldn't because they had didn't really have a somebody playing as a like a, a sort of like a ten. Um, like a like a Dingom or a Cafaro, it was seemed like it was a bit uh, difficult to create some, something when they got into that final third. Mm. Mm. Do you think that Ramps would have preferred the win here to get to the cup final or the win in September that kind of really put them on the map for the season? What do you think they would have preferred, Thomas? Uh, definitely the win here because <laughs> you think they get through yeah. to the cup final, yeah, they got a, a chance, you know, against. Um, Obviously, it was a, they wouldn't have known by then, or they would have been on by then, actually. Um, but get a chance against a you know a Leon side that um, who knows what they what they can produce, mm-hmm. um, and you know it, it, it's a really good shot. At, it would have been a really good shot at um, a cup title. And just before we move on, I think this is a player that he, he's had some mentions the last few weeks. I think we talked about him a little bit. It was either on Monday or in the preview show last week. But Yunus Abdelhamid, come on, man. What a defender. <laughs> like, he's old now. He's, what, 35, 30? 30, no, he's not that old. No, what, is he older? 32, was he 32? Oh, no, completely he's 32. Oh, he's 32, yeah. Never mind, I thought he was older. Um, <laughs> but 32, a player is not, you know, it's not played at the, the, any top league or level for most of his career, but he's came to Ligue 1 in the last two years He's been such a unit for them. Beside Engels last season, Engels went, Tassassi came in, and Tassassi is a good player, but he's been such a good partner for them and has probably been one of the main reasons alongside um, maybe Romao, you could say, that Rams mm. have been the defensive force they have been uh, the last season. Thomas, he's a little bit underrated, do you think? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, it's you know, it's, people always look at you know the young younger players sometimes get more... Um, sort of attention, something like Sassy, he was, he was a good player. Um, but Abdulhamid is always there and he was, he's just been, you know, a stalwart for them these past two seasons. Um, and he, he just, he just does the dirty work sometimes. I don't, I don't actually think he missed a minute last season. No. You have to correct me on that. No, just, it was, I think it was only him and one or two goalkeepers that didn't miss yeah. a minute. Um, and he's just always, I don't think he's even missing it this season. He's just constantly there. No matter, no matter when you watch a, a rounds match, he'll always be there. Um, so, yeah, it's it's great. I don't th- I'm not sure if he's even had any caps for 
Morocco, maybe one or two. I think he's been called um, up um, from Morocco, but was it? Oh, he's oh he's played. What is it? Looks like four caps, or no, a little bit more. Nine caps. Oh, yeah, who's 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 Morocco's like? Thomas, this is one for you because my knowledge of African football is awful. Who's Morocco's like? Been their like main centre back over the last few years. Benatia, uh, think. yeah, Benatia, yeah. Oh, Benatia is pretty bloody good actually. Now I think about it, is he Moroccan? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, Ashraf is Moroccan too, isn't he? Uh, I, I think I'm... so. Yeah, yeah, and they got um, mm-hmm. Saiz at Wolverhampton. Oh, yeah, he's, he's got fun. some players, but generally, I just, I just wanted to have a bit of audio on Abdel Hamid. I just thought he was so <laughs> underrated, just generally over the last few seasons. Yeah, he, it's quite a fascinating story because ten years ago, so when he was like twenty-two, he was still playing in sixth division. And I feel like, you know, it's quite frequent that players who are late to come to professional football can actually play on for longer. Um, yeah. Because the physical toll kind of starts later for them, I guess. Mm. Um, so he was playing in sixth division 10 years ago. He was he was an accountant. Um, <laughs> and he slowly made his way up. I think he played in Ligue 1 for Dijon like th- three three or four years ago uh, before joining Reims in, in Ligue 2. Let's move on to some of our Ligue 1 previews for this weekend. Firstly, we're going to start with uh, the, well, it's going to be the Montpellier versus Dijon game. Montpellier <coughs> currently are sitting sixth with Dijon in 16th. And uh, Pierre Paul, we slightly talked about Dijon on Monday, but I wanted to open this up to a little bit of a wider conversation because they are turning into quite an exciting team to watch. So Stefan Jobard came in as manager, to rescue this Dijon side that only stayed up by the skin of their teeth last season. He was the reserves manager and came in with not masses of experience in the game, but has taken to this Dijon job, a job that many probably thought was cursed at the start of a season. Not an overly, not an impressive squad, quite young, lacking a lot of like quality. But Thomas, he has really defied the odds, hasn't he? He's, he's building together quite a good attacking unit. And even though they do sit 16th, they seem a little bit better than teams around them, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought they would they would, um, they would, would struggle a little more than they, at least like, that they've shown in the past uh, in the past couple of games. Um, but, I mean, just some of the um, some of the signings they've brought in have, have really invigorated the, the team. I mean, I think the main one is probably um, going to be Shire who I didn't think would actually step up this this easily, um, but is you know is one of their main people for for you know attacking creativity and and getting the ball, uh, driving the ball up the pitch, and even somebody like you know Mavadidis who's been in and out of the team um, on the subs bench, but he's he's been okay when he started, and um, I, I was concerned about the, the defense, but they haven't been they haven't been too bad and. Um, I think Gomez in net has actually been one of the best keepers in the league this season. Mm-hmm. He's been a lot of good, good keep goalkeeping performances, but um, Gomez is is actually he was he was you know a good good shot stopper uh, when he did play in Italy, but he's actually kept up a good level of consistency that's um, really helped him and uh, and Dijon you know scrape out some some points where they might have where they might have not have. Mm, absolutely. Well, well, Dijon, uh, they've only conceded 22 goals in 20 league games, which is a record that's 
as good as Lille's, just one worse than than Marseille, and not not far off the likes of Lyon and Rennes and whatnot. It's that's actually they're, they're they're starting to put together quite a good squad and team. Pierre Paul, what what are your opinions of the mustards this season? The mustards. <laughs> um, I, I I've had a little soft soft spot for for Dijon for a few years now, um, and, and I, I hope they can stay up. They used to have this kind of commitment to trying to play nice football under under Darolio, um, which I I mean I used to hear people say that a lot. I wasn't always super convinced because there was still a lot of games where they would play for the you know the classic Liga nil nil. Um, this season, they've managed to turn it on against the bigger sides, some of them, and they've had a good you know they're they're in good form at the moment. They've won all three matches since uh since the start of the year but um and i will get to there in a minute i don't see them doing that well this weekend okay <laughs> the the only awkward thing about this dijon team at the moment is is probably and a, a guy i'd say is probably historically one of their best players but it's julio tavares man <laughs> see if yes. you look at stats like i i think he's been one of the most underrated strikers of the last like several years in Ligue 1 just generally but this season he has missed eight big chances um, nice. which is the fourth most in the league and <clears throat> he scored four goals excuse me he scored four goals missed eight big chances and as a result of that Dijon have the biggest differential for XG which is like the difference between the goals you'd expect them to score and the actual goals that they have scored Despite creating loads of chances, they've only found the back of the net 15 times, which is really poor. But it seems as if, like, if you're Stefan Jobard, all you need to know, all you need to do is go find another really young League 2 attacker and just slap him up front and you'll score loads of goals. Is that is that the formula, Pierre-Paul? Just get Tavares out of the team and, and someone in there, Jonder Cadiz, for example? Maybe, but yeah. I mean, my concern is Tavares has more experience than a lot of the um, younger players and, and that still brings something I think, I think he's a, quite a wise player actually he's is he the captain I'm not uh, sure but he's been at Dijon for years and years since, yeah. since 2012 I would imagine so but let me think yeah and he's actually he's actually another one of those players who was playing in like 6th division you know on, pretty late on not as late as Abdel Hamid but um, probably till he was like 20 or something um. Yeah. It was a it was a book Perona so for years. And yes, he has the captain, by the way. <laughs> All right. Mm. But yeah, it just seems like he's as much as he is a fantastic player. He's just us oh, in, in in the in the final third. You know, at the the crux moment, he's slightly holding them back, which might make them an easy target for Montpellier. Thomas, are Montpellier a legitimate candidate right now for the Champions League? Uh, along with, what, six or seven other teams? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the issue with Montpellier is they, they struggle to... They just they just love draws too much. Um, I mean, Zakharan, he likes his defensive stability, but the players and the the assets they have in the, in the team, you would be thinking that the Sometimes they'd be just killing teams off. Um, I mean, they did do that against Corn in the Cup, um, but just the 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 creative um, the creative force they've got behind them, two strikers, um, 
I, I would I would think they would they would have more I don't know be more more deadly in attack than um, than they have been. Mm. They've actually got quite good like like support and depth across a lot of the pitch. You know, um, <coughs> a lot has been talked about recently, and their their very own fantastic four, their Catra fantastic. Uh, I've been taking French lessons with Pierre Paul, by the way. Um, <laughs> but you know, their, their attack, which has come into its own recently with Molly and Delore and and Laborde and and Savarier and whatnot. Their defence, like you said, they have generally had a pretty solid defensive setup. But, and this is what we are going to look at now, if you look at their defence and their squad as a whole pretty much, but we're going to focus on the defence, they have some pretty old players in there, like Damien Letelic, who's, who's deputised at centre-back a little bit more recently. He's 29. It's not an awful age, but it's you know coming towards the end of it. Uh, Pedro Mendes is 29. But Daniel Congre and Hilton of course, are 34 and 42, respectively. 42 is an like, unheard of age in professional football. But yeah, he's 42 and is still, still a crucial part of their team. And it looks as if, unless they don't, you know, they plug that hole now, they could be they could be heading towards a bit of a dip over the next few seasons if they don't quell this this really old squad. They actually have the oldest team in the league. For minutes played, Thomas Onji are second. You'll be glad to know. But we, I want to look at. So I've, I've had the two of Thomas and Pierre Paul go away and scour the leagues. I'm going to say both are French, but hey ho. Uh, for a recommendation for a centre back under 22 years old that Montpellier should sign to fill this gap of the, these really older players at the back that are coming just towards the end of their career. So. Thomas, I want to start with you. Who's who's your recommendation for a centre back under twenty three that Montpellier should sign to make up for Hilton and Congre, for example, who are getting a little bit old? Uh, mine's twenty three, so I hope that counts. It's, uh, judges are kind of they're okay with it. They're okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually a player that probably might be up against uh, this weekend. It's uh, Nayef Aguerre. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Maybe. Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> um, and uh, he's played for Dijon for... He's, well, he's not, not been there actually that, that long. Uh, he's only played a few games this season. Um, but I was looking primarily, thinking, even though I want to renew Hilton's contract another year, <laughs> um, but uh, I think to replace somebody like him is probably the, the key aspect they have to do at the moment. And um, Aguerre is, uh, is a is a a good presence in the central areas. Um, he's very good in the air. Um, he does win a lot of his, his duels in the air. And But I think the most important thing about uh, Hilton, even when he's 42, is that his passing is still really, really um, essential sometimes with how Montpellier get up the pitch. I mean, he's he's completes a lot of um, long passes and, and um, it, I mean, quite incisive um through balls to to some of the um, attackers, and so somebody like um, Aguerre is is well, he, he's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, he's also quite um, accustomed to hitting a long pass, um, so it could be somebody to watch out for. And I don't think Dijon would probably ask for too much um, from from Montpellier, and you know he's 
I, I would I would like to see how he does um, as the season progresses. He's only played uh, seven or eight games for them, but in that time, he's he's shown that he is a, a potentially a really good uh, really good acquisition for them. Mm. I know that particularly his passing numbers are are pretty insane for a defender in Ligue uh, Pierre Paul, your recommendation for a, a centre back that maybe Montpellier should take a look at. Um, I've kind of decided to cheat and take a contrarian <laughs> approach <laughs> um, <laughs> by excluding the the youth criteria because, I mean, in, in my opinion, it's you don't have to be signing young players if you're Montpellier, especially if you're especially in defence. Um, I think they possibly have some good ones already at the club, and we kind of see that with the emergence of, of Nicolas Kotza, who's mm-hmm. been uh, playing uh, quite a bit this season. I think he started last year or the year before in, in the first team and had some more minutes this year and seems like a very good talent. He's 21. Um, in addition to that, they've also been playing in the... Well, last season they played in the in the UEFA Youth League or Youth Champs League, whatever it's called, um, so they had qualified for that, which suggests they have a good kind of talent pool at the club, possibly. Um, but I think as well, if you're going to replace someone like like Vittorino Hilton, who's 42, I mean, y- you're not looking for the next Hilton who can keep on playing until he's 42, because that's kind of freakish and that doesn't exist. But you're looking for the next Hilton in terms of experience and serenity and and being able to to you know replace him as the leader of that defense and in my opinion there's a lot of there's always a lot of experienced players who could be available in Liga who could make excellent signings and one that they made last well the last summer was Arnaud Souquet who's playing quite well recently with Montpellier and my recommendation for next summer is someone whose contract is expiring so that's a a cheap deal Ooh. and who is already a club legend at Montpellier <laughs> in that he is Mapu Yonga Mbiwa and oh, I think okay. the return is only waiting to happen now of course he hasn't played much recently and maybe there's some <laughs> some questions there <laughs> um, but I think everybody would love to see him go back to the team with which with whom he won the league so is that correct me if I'm wrong is he Leon? He's at Lyon. He's been there for like five years now and wow. has only played 72 matches in, in five years. Um, and I don't have the distribution of those, but I don't think he's played this season. I don't remember him playing, to be oh, honest. That's an interesting shout, by the way. Because he's 30 years old. Okay, completely against the whole youth thing wow. we were going okay. through. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, yeah we're <laughs> Life comes at you fast. While he was at Newcastle for a season, mm. I did not know that. I remember. Okay, he's, a, Roma, but. he's only played three matches in the past. Uh, is that three seasons counting this one? Ouch. Um, which is yeah, it's it's not a very good sign. Mm. But who knows? Something might still be there. I think if I remember correctly, he's on quite a lot of money. Like his, we- his weekly wage would might yeah. hold him back, but that I'm completely talking I out think of he'll take memory a there. So actually play football though. <laughs> to go and play, I. he's a dude. He is living the life. The the job I want to have is a third choice goalkeeper at like a top club. 
You have the easiest life. Play the odd like League Cup match. Absolutely rattle a team in like the eighth division of France, and you are sorted. Don't play anything else. Pick up twenty grand a week. That is the job I want. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Score prediction for this match. Montpellier have been pretty good, but so have Dijon. Thomas, I'll start with you. How do you think this match is going to finish? Um, I'd probably say, I can't really look past Montpellier winning this. They've been pretty good at home. Um, so I'm going to go with a 2-0 uh, two, two win. Mm, okay. And uh, Pierre-Paul? I'm going to go with a 4-0 win for Montpellier. Oh, did Dijon not win like 5 0 the weekend or something? So did Montpellier, and they're better at home. <laughs> yeah. So much for all that chat we had about how good Dijon are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I said I don't think this is a good one for them, but. Okay. I'm going to. I, I definitely think Montpellier win, but I think Dijon should, if not score, create, create a really good chance that Tavares will miss. So I'll go 2-1 or 2-0 if Tavares has another off day. Uh, let's move on to Marseille versus Angers this weekend. Marseille currently sitting second with a couple teams snapping at their heels and Angers are sitting 10th. Let's start with, with Marseille because there has been some, some speculation and some rumours around the club over the last few weeks. So there's been some some... Something coming out the club recently that potentially Andre Villas Boas could be cutting his time short at the club. You know, it's only speculation, but it doesn't seem he's overly happy with the situation that's happened because generally there have been moves in the hierarchy of the club, which would infer that players are going to start getting sold to the Premier League, namely Morgan Sanson. Um, a, a quote came out recently going against this, but saying that they would only sell for an incredible fee. Pierre Paul, what do you what do you make of all these rumblings that have been going on at the club? It's a little bit un unimpressive if you are Andre Villas Boas, who's come and done such a good job at Marseille so far. Yeah, it's it's the whole kind of tension between <laughs> the sporting necessities of, of having a competitive side and being able to gain points and qualify for Europe, which is a project that has been carried out very well so far under Villas Boas. And on the other hand, you have the the financial kind of danger that they're in. They have an agreement with UEFA to get back within the rules of financial fair play, which is not going very well based on their kind of losses in the past two seasons and, and their struggle to sell players. And obviously selling players is the solution to the financial problem, but also causes problems for the, your team's competitiveness. And that's why everybody is kind of... Uh, panicking about this kind of stuff um well maybe not as strong as panicking but you know um yeah in any case uh they have suspended players this week uh including dimitri payet which uh will give them a little taste of what happens if they do sell him to west ham or whoever which i think uh, they should absolutely not do no matter what the price is uh based on on his current form and Projected form until the Euro, uh, if past trends are to be trusted. Mm. I mean, he's for like creativity alone. He's literally like one of the best players in Europe. Like, mm. It's not even understated. He, he has fantastic numbers for creating chances and whatnot. And that would be quite a shame and a big loss to Marseille if he did go back to England or whatnot. 
It'd also be really disappointing if he goes from if he goes from Marseille second to West Ham, who are like seventeenth in the Premier League or something. That would just be stupid. <laughs> West Ham are such a strange club. I don't understand, but I don't understand a lot of what's going on in the Premier League these days. Mm, neither do I, to be honest. Mm. I just focus on Scotland and France, and even at that, <laughs> I'm still a wee bit confused. Uh, Thomas, if Andre Villas-Boas did go. How big of an effect would that would that be? How much of a loss would that be to this Marseille side? You have to remember, Villas Boas came into the team just after Rudy Garcia left, and with little to no financial investment in the in the club, only Benedetto, I can think, has been the real major transfer they've had. But he's done a, a fantastic job, and they currently sit second. Yeah, if Villas Boas leaves, the project basically crumbles with him. I think <laughs> because he's he's brought you know. Not just um, really, you know, interesting um, tactics, but he's brought some positivity to, to the dressing room. I think, and and just Marseille friends in general. I think they're <laughs> I think they're happy with the performances. You know, it looks like the club is is going somewhere. There's, there is a project there, um, but if he leaves, it'd be just terrible. It'd be like you know, what if? It'd be one of what if moments. I think. Oh, I wonder what. Would happen? Would have happened if he if he mm. did stay on? Because you know he's still a very young manager, <coughs> and it could be something there that you know he he stays at Marseille for a good couple of years and and sort of rebuilds his his career, so to speak. Um, mm. and he's got you know a great a great club with a fantastic history to do it to it with. Mm. Yeah, it w- it would be quite a massive loss to be honest. Let's move on to their opponents in this match. Onji, Thomas, what's what's been the story at Onji recently? They, they sit 10th at the moment. I mean, that is the story. 10th mid-table. <laughs> I love it. It's um, it's uh, it's great to see, really. I've got some... Obviously, I'm going to come up with some great Onji trivia um, like you've never seen before. <laughs> so, <laughs> normally, well, Onji could probably be Marseille's bogey team. Um, since promotion... Uh, Marseille have only beat Angers once uh, at the Velodrome, oh, wow. um, but the first game they played when Angers got promoted, Angers actually won two one away, and in that game they played uh, Arnold Bukamutu, who was a, a left back. They played him as a winger on the left hand side, <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, and Doy was injured because um, he oh, it wasn't injured; he was suspended. He had a red card for kicking a player, but. Um, <laughs> So they put um, our reserve to the reserve striker, uh, Fode Dore, as a backup in central midfield for him. And we still won the game, which is uh, quite hilarious. That's and nice. some more trivia. Um, so that was 2015. And five of the players that started that game will most likely start this game on the weekend as well. <laughs> Which players? Um, so it'll be it'll be Butel in net. It'll be uh, Monso, uh, Traore, uh, Toma, and uh, Tom Mangani in midfield as well. I, I tell you what, next week we're going to do what we did with Mark P- Montpellier, and we're going to look at some players that they <laughs> should got, invest in. <laughs> I've got I've got three. I got well, I got another bit of trivia. Is that um, the three substitutions in that game? Um, I'll go through them. So one was uh, Gael Angula, um, who's a, was a full-back so defender. Uh, he's now uh, officiating. He's sometimes a fourth official, and he's now uh, a referee. In the, he's in Ligue 2 yeah. as a referee. Um, so he's doing quite well. And the other one is uh, Chardier, 
um, who is now part of the staff with the mayor of Angers and um, is sort of the, in the sporting sector. And he was the founder of um, an association called uh, La Dalle Angevin, which is uh, sort of promotes the sport in uh, in Angers. So that's another interesting one. And the third person was uh, Olivier uh, Auriac, who is now was recently promoted as the under 19s coach for the Angers youth team. Wow. <sighs> I, I just want to finish the show there. To it's honest, I don't know how, <laughs> how do I continue from that? <laughs> what? Such a good game. <laughs> Andre are like they're they're really weird with like being overly local. You know, I mean, being super local. Oh, like yeah. Bayern Munich and Ajax love doing that. You know, oh, you played one game in 1990. Oh, you can be our you know head of bloody books. I think there's a lot of teams in France that are kind of like yeah. that, especially in yeah. the smaller cities. If you exclude Paris, Lyon, Marseille, and so on, um, definitely Montpellier has that reputation of always welcoming with open arms the kind of former greats or even not greats, but just former players of the club. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's there's a lot of for a lot of kind of smaller cities in France, it's there's this really familial thing about about the club and and who gets to be there and stay there yeah. even after the careers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely is the case for Angers. I mean, you look back at the history, I won't go through it, but if you look back where they've come from, you know, over the past decade or so, it's basically been, they've been built up from um, basically just people from the region, yeah. from the city. It's kind of an amazing story. I guess there's something quite really admirable in that, actually, mm-hmm. just like generally. Um, like, I think a lot gets said about, I think it's Athletic Bilbao in Spain, and they sign mm-hmm. only Basque players. I know it's not exactly to that extent, but just that idea of being super local is mm-hmm. something that, especially in this kind of like, sorry to go, sorry to like flex on you, but this like globalized football market where everything's <laughs> like super just this guy plays here and he goes there and you just leave your hometown and never look back. I guess there's something very admirable to be doing that. And especially in like a top five league, top league of France, it was really interesting. Going back to their their play this season, Thomas, I know you're saying you're quite impressed with them sitting 10th now, but there's got to be a little bit of disappointment considering how they started the season. Second after, what, like three weeks? Yeah. um, uh, I'm not really disappointed. Uh, I expected a sort of a mid... I'm hoping for a top-half finish. Um, There is work to be done in the squad eventually. We can't just... We'll have to actually play some bringing some new players um, in the uh, in some of the older areas that are aging. Um, but saying as that, saying that, both our centre backs got new contracts in the past couple <laughs> <of> weeks, <laughs> so and that'll be interesting to see. But um, no, I'm 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 happy with uh, how how the team is um, progressing at the moment. I think we still have players that haven't hit really form yet. I think Prior Large has been has been. He's been played in central midfield. He's played on the right side of midfield as a winger, um, but he's certainly got potential to be a really good player. And, and somebody like um, El Malali, who scored two really good goals uh, in the cup game, cup win um, Ooh, last yeah. week. He's he's played seven games for us and scored five goals. So, and he's he's you know he's the the his awareness um, from when he joined us, you know, over well. Year or so ago, um, has really developed, and he's you know another player that that um you should keep an eye out for because he's a really explosive, 
um, pacey player. He's a, I call him the fireball. <laughs> Is it just you that calls him that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. <that. laughs> okay, Thomas, shut up, stop. I, so I should just never ask him about Andre stuff. He's, he goes yeah, from way too long. You should invite me on here. <laughs> uh, okay, one more thing on this match is your score prediction. How do you think this one's going to finish? Do you think Lescaux have a chance away to Marseille? Um, yeah, I think so, because they've not got Paye. <laughs> and he's the... I mean, Marseille, they've got a good um, a good sort of uh, core to the squad. But Paye is that he's the main man um, there. Um, so I think there's probably a chance. And, and Villas-Boas, I mean, when they played Angers, Villas-Boas allowed Angers to have the ball. Which is a really um, interesting move tactics wise, and Moulin, you know, credit credit to him uh, after the game. But this time round, he he's been interviewed and he says, you know, he wants them to to be on the front foot. Um, so I'm hoping for a, a exciting game. So I'm going to go for a two all draw. Mm. Uh, Pierre Paul, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think it's a tough one to call this one because Payet's not the only suspended player. Also. Bouba Kamara and uh, Bounassar, which um, I think especially Kamara as well is is a big loss from, from Marseille. So it's quite a test for them, I think. Um, which way am I going? I don't know. I still think they can they can just squeeze out a win. Um, may, I'll go with a 1-0, maybe kind of a late goal. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just remind me quickly, why are so many players suspended for Marseille this week? Pierre well, Paul? it just it just happened that they each got a yellow card in the last match, and that was their whatever the rule is, you know, for accumulation of <laughs> yellow cards. It was their limit for all three of them in one get in one go. So it's kind of a coincidence, but yeah. Okay, sorry. I, I was thinking that there's like something that I'd missed that was like rumbling under and there'd been a big fight and they all got suspended. No. <laughs> okay, it's literally just yellow cards. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Okay, I, I forgot. I, I'm glad I didn't know there was so many suspensions, which kind of changes my idea for this. Um, I'll, I'll go. I'll go like one-one then or something. I'm not glad. I thought Marseille were going to win, but judging by that, and like very crucial players, Bunasar every now and then just turns into like like B Tech Ronaldo every now and then. So and Bumgar Kamara is so like pivotal mm. play as is Paye. Um So yeah, I'll go one-one draw actually. Yeah. Although before that, I thought it was going to be a two-one-one. They've had two weeks to prepare as well because the the yellow cards were against Khan, so that was two weeks ago. So, you know, it's not like a bad surprise last minute. They should be okay, I think. Yeah, they should be quite prepared for this. Uh, okay, and our final match is something that Sanetian fans will not appreciate me calling a basement battle, but it is <laughs> Sanetian. Fifth, their 15th place. What's, what's that about? Playing against Nîmes, who are 19, <laughs> uh, they're a little bit more used to finishing there. Uh, Saint-Étienne, Thomas, could Claude Puel have had just a more like bland, disappointing start to life in Saint-Étienne? Um, probably not, actually. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's 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 not been good. Um, it's unfortunate for Saint-Étienne fans. Because I mean, I will. I don't really want to watch them play. Sometimes it's been, it's been difficult watching, and and it's just there's not there's nobody there that's I would say is a player that would it would be in form. Um, I think that uh, Robert Berich was always the oh Willie won't he start? 
and he always had a good goal scoring record. He's now gone to uh, Chicago Fire, yeah. which is an interesting move. Um, but uh, it's just, it's just, ugh, it's kind of like that at the moment. Mm. And I think it's, I, I don't see them really challenging for European spots at the moment. I don't, don't know where a push up the table comes from. That's my concern. Ruffier, even even a player like Ruffier, who he hasn't had a good season, uh, and that's somebody you really rely on, but he's 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 been relatively poor by his usual standards, um, and it's just it's difficult to see this sort of streak not car- not stopping uh, at the moment. I mean, if you look at their fixtures in the league. So this match against Nîmes and their next match again away to Metz are two crucial games for them. But after that, they've got you know Marseille, which will be tough. Montpellier away to Montpellier, which will be very difficult. Away to Brest, which will be tough. At home to Ramps, if they pick up form, might be quite a challenge. Then Lyon, Bordeaux, Monaco, Strasbourg. There's no like consistent run of like three or four matches where it's like okay, you could get you could get twelve points there. You know, it's, it's a very difficult run between now and the end of the season. Uh, Pierre Paul, how judging by that, how big a match is this for Lever then? Um, I'm not sure it's that big because it's just Nîmes who, I don't know, I think Nîmes at home is on, on a Saturday evening is, you know, not the biggest drawer of crowds, even though Saint-Étienne is always quite a full stadium. Uh, when it's not suspended, of course, but um, <laughs> I mean, I think this should be okay for this one. The thing with Saint Etienne, there's still this kind of weird. I mean, the numbers are there, but I don't know if it really means anything that they tend to underperform when Saliba is not playing, um, as of you know from last season and into this one, which is kind of strange because this season he's been absent most of the time. And, you know, they should be able to find a different way of playing without him. Um, and it's it, it just it's so strange that, you know, an 18 year old or nine, whatever he is now, 19, maybe could make such a big difference at a club like Saint-Étienne. Um, I was not too convinced by the fact that they have kind of a well, they have these kind of old players like Kabay and, and Debussy. I'm a huge fan of Debussy, but. You know, there's kind of questions there around is that money well spent because those guys have strong wages and I don't know if, I'm not sure if their physical ability is still as, as you know, what it used to be. Certainly Debussy has had injuries, but when he doesn't have injuries, he scores goals, which is uh, the positive thing about him, as we noted the other day. Um I mean, on the whole, I still like their team, but I feel maybe that I, I, there's a lot of teams towards which I'm sympathetic in Ligue 1, which tend to underperform re- with regards to my expectations. So maybe that's just me, really. <laughs> I, I, I see things <laughs> too pretty in Ligue 1. But <laughs> uh, Nîmes will enter this match just out of a 5-0 defeat mm. uh, against Dijon. Thomas, how do you look at this match then from a Nîmes perspective? Is it the way where they're it's only up from here? You know, they just lost 5-0. You can't get much worse than that. Or do you think for Nîmes at least, it'll be a case of them mentally hitting rock bottom, to be honest? 
Uh, they haven't won an away game yet in the season, yeah. so it'll be a difficult one. And they've now they lost um, Repar and uh, uh the centre back, to injury. And they are two. I mean, that's 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 two players that are the the core of the team. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a difficult run for them to the end of the season, I think. Um, but they have actually signed somebody recently, uh, Musa Kone from uh, Dynamo Dresden in the German second division, which I thought was really interesting signing. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it's just because somebody like Repai is, is out of the squad. And uh, even though I've liked what I've seen of, of Depre, he's, he's still injuries are just still plaguing his, his career at the moment. Um, but Kone is a, a one to look out for. I mean, he's performed relatively well in um, in Germany. He's, he's, a, he's a strong player. He's not as... He's not doesn't really rely on a physicality like like Reef Par was would do, you know, in bustling around defenders. But he is really, really quick. I think he's I think he might have clocked one of the fastest times, uh, fastest uh, uh, speed, the top speeds in the Bundesliga. He's a really quick player. Um, his finishing could be a little off, but he's got he's got time to develop, and he'll probably be just thrown into the team. Um, I won't, won't be surprised if if he's um, starting pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah, he's he's got six league goals, one assist this season for Dresden in, in the uh, Bundesliga 2, 2 Bundesliga. Um, but he's not scored since November. I don't know, it's a, it's a bit of a risk. You know, it's a bit of a gamble to be slapping £3 million on him mm-hmm. and say, right, keep us up. Um, they have also been linked with Amine uh, Guiri from Lyon, but... Is it is it these types of players that are going to keep them up, Thomas, or do you think they need a bit more of a a, a, pr- a proven entity? Yeah, probably so. I mean, I still like the signing, but it it just depends how he, how he starts. Um, and it is a it is a step up. Um, I think Dresden were struggling in um, where they were. It's it's a difficult one, but I I still think they. I don't know how. I'm not sure how they do this, but I still think they survived this season. Um, <laughs> I don't, I might, maybe that's because I like some of the players, um, <laughs> but uh, I still think they somehow survived. Maybe in, in the playoffs against a, a league death side, they just just win it by like a, I don't know, a corner or something. Um, it's it's going to be a struggle for them, but I mean this this is these are two teams that are not in great form. Um, I don't think uh, Sinatian haven't been good at home this season. Neem have been awful away, so it could be. Do you know what? It could be like a three three all draw, couldn't it? Yeah, it, it could just be something insane. Absolutely the crazy. Is, the last clash between these between these teams was at Neem earlier in the season. Neem dominated the game, created so many chances, but lost one nil. Just typically, which is kind of how their season's gone. To be honest, <coughs> with that in mind. Well, I think it's going to be a bit of a slugging match. But Thomas, what's your score prediction for this one? Do you think it will be like a, a just no defence, all attack, see who can get the three points kind of match? Uh, no, <laughs> it'll be one by one goal, and it'll be. Uh, I'm not sure who actually score. I'm not sure which teams can actually score. Sanetian, Sanetian, one nil. Oh, okay, uh, Pierre Paul. Um, 
I think they've. I think San Etienne will be able to find a couple goals in there. Win it two yeah. nil, maybe. You think? I'm. I'm gonna go. Thing is, the the likes I'm comparing this to. I don't know if I'm just overly generalizing the German league as a whole, but I know that when Serhu Guarasi came to Amion, he was kind of out of favor at German team. I think it was in Bundesliga. I can't remember which one it was, but he mm. came in and just absolutely like just tore up carpets, tore up ground. He like, had such a big effect. He didn't score loads of, in the way of goals, but he just like changed their attack. And I think a player coming out of a bad club into another club in a bad situation, they can sometimes like come into with a new lease of life. And I think Musa Kone could just turn up and have an insane game if he does just go straight from the start or, or create things. I'm going to go Nîmes 1-0 and I think it'll either be like Musakoni gets a debut goal and it's insane, he's much better than he's been given the chance, or it'll be like like Pablo Martinez gets a header at the back post from, from a corner or something <laughs> like that. I'm, I'm going to go Neem 1-0. I do like Neem, and I'd, I'd like them to get a big win here that would kind of give them a chance in the relegation battle. That closes off our previews for this weekend. We had a few questions come in for this show. I never do questions. That's more of a, a news show thing, but I thought, why not? Let's <laughs> slap it. Uh, our man Can, who's a Monaco fan, had a couple questions, gents. Uh, firstly, Thomas, I'll I'll start with you. Well, they're both about Jemerson, who has been oh, not the most popular guy on the south coast of France in the Principality. Firstly, Thomas, do you think that Monaco were right to freeze out Jemerson, despite all the amazing things that he did in the title-winning season? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, he's been fairly terrible. I mean, no, he's been terrible um, for them. And it's just, I think that I've seen quite a few links. I think Monaco maybe might be trying to get rid of him. Um, yeah, it's it's his his career has not really gone um, as as he probably planned it after mm-hmm. that after that title winning season. Yeah, he's he's just looked quite lazy at times and just a little bit almost like out of his depth, which is strange because he's played yeah. so well in that in that season. But he's just looked off it really off. I don't know if something personal's happened or whatnot, but <clears throat> he just hasn't looked like the Jemerson we got to know a couple of years ago. Pierre Paul, the second question from Mister Can, also about Jemerson, <laughs> is he the worst defender this season in in Ligue 1? Oh God! <laughs> I don't, know don't, don't know if you want to answer that. It's maybe a little bit. I mean, bit harsh. I, I I would say probably no. I don't know who the worst one is, but if anybody would like an answer to to that question of who's the worst defender in Ligue 1, I'd be very happy to make an appearance for any team. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's got to be someone at Toulouse, hasn't it? One of oh. their centre-halves. Um, uh, not Diakite, because he scored twice last week, so we won't we won't count him. But I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I don't want to start going around names because that's mean. But yeah, you know, <laughs> someone at Toulouse, I think. Hopefully that answers your question, Mr. Can. Uh, right, that finishes up this episode of the preview show. Thank you very much for joining us. You can get more information on all things French and football at getfootballnewsfrance.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at GFFN. And this is the last time I'm going to say it, but please do check out the GFFN 100 that was released just at the start of January. It's the the best index and catalogue 
of the 100 best players in France last year. Lots of detail, lots of good opinions about the players, and please do give it a read. It's got a lot of um, predictions for players that are going to potentially become world beaters this season as well in Ligue 1. And also, please check out the the news outlet from Get Football, which is Get Spanish Football News. You can find them at getfootballnewsspain.com and also on Twitter at G. Spanish FN. Uh, a lot of content we do here, but going to be on Spanish football in English. Right, that wraps us up. Thank you very much for joining us once again. I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Thomas Wiseman and Pierre Paul Birmingham. I hope you have a nice weekend and we'll hopefully see you next week. See you later. <laughs>